have strong legs and hips. We stand in respect for the Word of God. Um, let's do something today. I, I'm Monday night, was that not announced today? Where's my announced person? Hey, Rob, set your house in order, brother. <laughs> Messing with you, sis. You know that. You love Sister Kristen. Hallelujah. Let's do that today. Brother Brad, get a couple other people so that the total is five, including yourself, and come on up here. I am reading from David's writing in Psalm chapter 37. If you have a Bible don't, it will be on the screen behind me. Psalm chapter 37. I am stacking this thought today upon a prior thought, a series of messages I have begun to teach on good advice. When we talk about good advice, occasionally we're going to mention bad advice. There's always that possibility. Good advice, bad advice. Yep. Psalm chapter 37. If you have it, follow along. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Reading from the King James. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass. And wither as the green herb. Notice the other day, this is out of the meaningless category in my mind, but I noticed Friday, I believe I was coming to the office, Thursday, Friday, and they, this little lookout up here where we congregate and we clean in the spring and the summer, the uh, state, I guess it's the state, they're out there mowing that grass out there, and I, I wanted to stop and say, dude, it's the middle of October. Where were you in June when we were trying to clean up through this chest-high grass out here? about to be under snow in a couple of days. It's going to be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Everybody please, if you can, verse number four. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine. title today is The Desire of My Heart, My Heart's Desire, from the series of Good Advice. One more time, verse 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires. Brother Walter, would you come up here and lead us in prayer, please, sir? I think that mic is still on, but I want you to get in the mic, and I want you to just pray like you mean it today. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we praise you this morning. Yes, we do, Lord. God, you are so worthy. You're worthy of everything, Jesus. We give you our everything, Lord. God, I pray that you that you sweep through this house, Jesus. God, I pray that you open up every one of our ears to receive your word. Soften the soil of our hearts so that your word may be like a seed planted in our spirit, Jesus. God, we give you all praise. We give you all glory. 
Let things set forth in motion this morning, Jesus, that will change course in our lives, God. We give you all glory, Jesus. We thank you for this word that you have sent this morning, Jesus. Let us receive it as you want us to, Lord. We give you all praise. We give you all glory. Let us put our trust in you, Jesus. Let us commit our ways to you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Would somebody put your hands together for the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Look at somebody and say, my heart's desire. Bless you, Bless you brother. Bless you, brother. You may be seated today. Those without needing to be said that advice, it can play a very important role in our life. It can play a role in everything from tying shoelaces to dating to buying and selling to companionship and weightier matters that you deal with as the older you get in life. We've all been given a lot of advice and we've shared a lot of things with other people. And as I said the other day, a lot of advice can be taken with a grain of salt. You have to consider, Brother Dan, who's offering it? What's my connection to that person? What's their motive? All those things that you learn, you have to weigh in with advice. Not everything people tell you, you should do even though they mean well, is worth doing. Some people have ulterior motives. Some people are just too dumb to know better. You can call it silly if you want, but I, I, some of the best advice I ever received was when you're, when you're going through something heavy in life, don't talk to people that have never been through anything. I respect young people. I wish I had their youth and vitality anymore. But if I need advice on weighty, heavy decisions that I need to make, I'm not talking to somebody that's not been around the circle once or twice. But not all advice affects your salvation. There should be nothing more important to you than your walk with God. Do you know that today, Peter? Nothing. Above your family? Oh, imagine that. Above your children, imagine that. Above your parents, nothing should be in the first row seat of your heart other than your walk with God. I, I promise you, if you get that figured out, the other things are going to work yeah, out as yeah, well. Yeah. Not everything people advise you affects your salvation. But it certainly affects you as a human being. And the trickle-down effect is always in motion, even if you're a single person, someone in your life, even Jared. You're not a married man, but someone is going to be affected by decisions you make that have nothing to do with your soul's salvation. Your happiness, your peace of mind, finances, your choices, your direction, 
It all is going to be affected sooner or later. And I'm sure we could all write catalogs, volumes of books on decisions we've made that didn't quite work out because we followed the wrong advice. I'm trying to say, set up a little platform for us here. Do you ever struggle? Has anybody in the house ever struggled with envy or jealousy? You're, you're honest, you're, and I thank you. Being candid is good. Thank you. And the rest of people that are like, you know, holier than thou. They... Now, I, I know, Brad, Brother Brad, not everybody has an envious spirit or a jealous side to them. Not everybody does, but a lot of people do. Just put them in the right corner in life, and envy will come out of anybody. How come he's got promoted? I've been here longer than he has. How come she got the raise and I've been here longer than she was or has been? That's called envy. You ever look at people on your job or maybe in your family or just an acquaintance and wonder, why is it that they seem to be getting things together in their life? And I'm not. I think I'm close to God. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I don't have a lot of room to grow. But I think I'm trying to live for God. Their life is, work, is working out better than mine. And they don't even care about the things of God. They sleep in church. Unless their daughter is singing. Unless their son is playing the guitar. Then they're on the front row. Slap, 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 slap. <laughs> My point being that sometimes when I put life in balances, in the balance that I see, it doesn't seem fair. It seems like they're doing better than I am. And they, aren't even, they don't even care about the things of God. And maybe if God would allow me, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but maybe he already knows anyway, God would allow me to be transparent. I'd say, God, I don't get that. And he taught us in, in the Gospels, he said, there was, there was a man that had authority over fields, and he, he hired people to come work, and he hired some to work at this time of day and others to work at another time of day. And they worked all day long for, a, for whatever amount of money. It says a penny in the King James, but for whatever amount it was given. They worked all day long for a penny. And then the, the master also went out right before sunset and he hired some more people. And all they did is work a little bit. And they got the same as the other people. Now look, I don't know about you, but I'm like, hey, well now... Uh, I've been out here sweating all day long. Look at all the pious faces today. Praise God. That'd be, yeah, you at least thoughts. That's called envy. David said this in Psalm 73, verse 3. I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, 
they're doing better than we are. It could be, Brother Carl, because we, we judge things in different terminology than God judges things. We think promotions means the blessing of God. We think raises means that's God's favor. And it might be in some situations, but not always. Doesn't seem balanced or fair to me. Back in the day, anybody a teenager in the 70s, 1970s? Brother Pale, back when we were teenagers. We, and we had, if, you, if we had enough money, we had Pioneer, we bolted Pioneer 8-tracks up to the bottom of the dash of our car. Huh? Picking in tall cotton, brother, let me tell you. Remember the days. But you used to hear a word a lot of times. In circles of life, then, you used to hear the word copacetic a lot. I don't hardly ever hear it anymore. It's in the dictionary. It's not, a, it's not attached to a generation. Copacetic. It just means mean fair, balanced. Are we in agreement right here? Is everything copacetic? Looking at me like you never heard that word. Check it out. Starts with a C, not a K, sister. Doesn't seem right to me that a man could come in hours after you, weeks after you, months, years after you, and be shot to the top of the corporate ladder when you've been so devoted and so sincere and so sacrificial. Doesn't seem copacetic to me, Brother Bob, not at all. Well, let me give you context for Psalm 37. Now, if you know this next couple of statements I'm going to make, it, it might help us to understand our text today. Context. Ready? We know that David was the author. We know that. I, I, I don't have time to go there to prove it, but trust me, look in your marginal areas. Look at any reasonable commentary. David wrote Psalm 37. We also know David was a man, what? After, not his blood pump, but his God's volition, what makes God tick. David said, I want to know that. I want to please that very inner drive that makes God move. Unfortunately, and the Apostle Paul wrote a lot about this in 1 Corinthians 7 and 8 and all that. We live our lives often to please our mates, our spouses, nothing wrong with that. But Paul said, you are a little bit, we are a little bit impeded when we do that. Because he said, I got nobody to please but God Almighty. Yeah. Not against marriage, don't go there with me, all right. Just, just laying the groundwork for Psalm 37. He was a man after God's own heart. He wanted first and last what God wanted for his life. He still had personal desires. This is a sensitive subject and a hot button, but some people think that when you come to God, come to church, enter the ministry, all of a sudden you're supposed to be some monk in the corner somewhere. That you lose all personal ambitions. Show me, please. Billy Cole said it once, and I believe it's worth repeating, that people who walk in the Spirit have a tendency to be, they're, they're sensitive in the Spirit, but they have a tendency to be oversensitive in the flesh too. It goes together. 
So you don't cease to be human when you, when you come to God. If anything, the devil tries to accentuate the negatives in that. He was a man after God's own heart. I would imagine, Brother Larry, if David walked in among us today, King, the, the David that was the man after God's own heart, not the civil-minded, rule-making judge at the red light in Jerusalem, David, but the, the religious-minded, God-loving man. I got a feeling, Brother Lance, he wouldn't need a parade. He wouldn't need fanfare. He wouldn't need cheerleader, cheerleader saying, let's worship God today. Let's pray together now. I got a feeling he'd be setting trends. And, in fact, he'd probably be the one that offends you because he'd be out in the aisle dancing, running. And his wife sat up there in the window going, look at him today. What a scene my husband is making. Unbelievable. Can't he just go to church and be calm and controlled like every other person? David's out there dancing in a linen ephod, the Bible said. Hmm? And you know what that cost her? Yeah. She's not going to have any kids. God said, I saw you despise him. A man after my own heart. I saw you do that. Anyway, we know David wrote this psalm. We know David was a man after God's own heart. The sweet psalmist of Israel. He was a, a civil-minded, battle-tested warrior for the kingdom of Israel. When the Bible said Saul slew his thousands, it said, but David had slain his tens of thousands. David wasn't some little Kermit the Frog puppet in the corner. David was a civil-minded, blood-drawing warrior for the kingdom of Israel. You stood against his nation, he was patriotic to the core. But David also was extremely mindful of the things of the Spirit of God. Can you be... Can you be aggressive and spiritual? Can you be hardworking and civil-minded about your community and also concerned about the, the welfare of the house of God, the people of the house of God? I hope so! Man after God's own heart. We also know that David was old when he wrote this. That's a relative term, I understand. Because David died at 70. 70. If that's the case for me, I'm on borrowed time. You hear me? <laughs> David died at 70. So did Solomon. I know he was old, so I don't know if he was 63, 68, 69 and a half, but I know because in the same chapter, 37, 25, he said, I have been young. But I'm not anymore. I'm old now. So we know David wrote it. He was a man after God's own heart. He was passionate in whatever he did. And we know he was an older man. So get this with me. Here's context. This is wisdom trying to advise imprudence. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is discretion trying to advise indiscretion. 
This is a man that said, I've been around this wagon a little longer than some others have. This is experience advising inexperience. It's true. You brothers know this to be true. When, um, when we are young, young physically, not just at heart, at least in my clan, we knew everything when we were teenagers. He knew everything when he was a teenager. You know why he did? Because I knew everything when I was a teenager. It's just true. You're laughing all coy and sly, but I got a feeling you were the same way, brother. And so are you, brother. And so are you, sister. Now, the, I love these people. They're not offended. Don't get all concerned about it. There's, we were all that way. At 16, we knew everything would fix the world. But at the time you get 46, you're like, hmm, I'm just trying to survive in the world. I'm just trying to stay alive today. Because when you raise those that acted like you or are acting like you acted, end of the day, you're like, dear Lord, just help me survive another day. Well, anyway, I'm trying to say that sometimes when people offer advice, sometimes it's good advice, and you shouldn't be quick to say, I already know everything. Because we don't. Here's where we get down to. I want to end up at verse 3 and 4, but I just need a moment in 1 and 2. First words out of David's mouth. Older man, thinking of what God wants, passionate as he can be, he says, fret not. Fret not. If we could put that in vernacular today that you understand, it just means don't, don't get all worried about something. Don't get all consumed with things you can't control. Don't let it gnaw at you and eat at you. Rob you of sleep. I know I'm in the spirit now. I know I am. Because if the truth be known, we all lose way too much sleep over things we cannot control, we can't change, we can't do anything about. Maybe you don't walk the floor, maybe you just lay in bed or lay on that couch and go, oh, oh, oh. And maybe no one knows, but deep inside of you, you're, you're fretting about something. You're gnawing on something. Some, some of us have been chewing on things for years. Come on. Come on. I mean, mistakes we made in college and high school. Man, you're 50 years old today and you're gnawing on that thing. David, tell me something's going to make me feel good. He said, okay, fret not. Fret not. Don't get all upset about things that you can't change. Why, David? It's easy for you to say, when I'm in the middle of this battle, David, why? Verse 2. Because everything comes around. 
This is the man of gray hair saying, because I've lived a few wars and everything comes back around. Everything makes its way back to the point of complete honesty before God. He said, I know what the wicked do. They set traps, they set snares for you, all that. He said, don't let it eat at you. Don't let it eat at you. If that, we could stop right there, it'd be enough of a lesson and advice, but we're not going to. He said, because everything balances out. God sees everything. You know, Brother Carl, it's one thing if, if you tell your sons that, but when someone elder than like your dad, let's say your dad was still around. No, he's not. But your dad, 20 years your age, would come up to your boys and say, listen, I've lived a few battles. And you can see the lines on his face, and you know that they've just been tested by time. And I wonder sometimes, I wonder what's going through this elder's head when he tells me to calm down and don't worry about it. I wonder what he's thinking about. Is he thinking about similar battles that he went through with his children, his family, his marriage, his ministry, his money? What good is advice if we don't at least take time to consider it? Fret not because it all balances. Now, verse 3 is David's way of saying to you that are all caught up in that, you're looking at the other guy. You're envious in the sense that they are here or he is there. Look what David said in Psalm 37, 3. He said, to trust the Lord and do good. You'll dwell in the land and you'll be fed. Three things that stand out to me there, and I'll be brief. Trust, dwell, be fed. Trust means when you have to leave things alone you want to mess with them. When you have to walk away and say, I'm doing more damage than I am good, even though I feel like I need to touch this thing somehow. Takes trust then, doesn't it? If, you don't, if we don't learn how to trust, we'll worry ourselves sick. Someone said anxiety is not real. Well, I don't know about that. Because you can sit there and fret over something until you are physically ill over it. I'm not trying to downplay people's personal struggles, but I'm saying advice is offered, godly advice is offered for a reason. It works, folks. It works. He says trust, and then dwell means you just wait it out in your patience, Luke 21, 19, possess your souls. Don't even show your hands today if I were to ask you who has, who has issues with being patient in life, because we all probably are guilty of that. 
He said, trust and dwell, just wait on me and be fed. One translation said, be, be satisfied. So we've got a lot of advice so far, but the best is yet to come. He, he said, don't fret. I've been through a few battles. I'm telling you, everything's going to balance out. But he, but she, but they, trust me. God's got every number he needs. Every, every number he needs. And you fret because God's going to, don't fret because God's going to balance it out. But trust him. Instead of worrying, leave it alone. That's his heart. Don't, don't pick at it. Leave it alone. Don't, you know what we did all the time? We were young guys. We always every, couldn't wait for them scabs to grow. We're like, <laughs> couldn't wait for it. <laughs> kind of a cool moment. In the real world, anyway, I thought I was part of it. My, my point is this. My point is sometimes you need to just leave things alone. I'm not saying be indifferent if you've hurt someone, but some things in life we can't change. Leave it alone. Don't fret. Don't worry about it. Trust God and wait patiently. Sooner or later, sooner or later, God's going to spread the table for you. And all that anxiety and fear and worry is going to turn into satisfaction, contentment. All your marriage problems, all your money problems, God knows just what buttons He needs to push, when, where, and how. Here's the best part of the advice from a man a man who offers advice, not because he wants to tickle my ears, but because he wants the advice to help me. He doesn't want to see me worry anymore about things I can't change. He wants to give me godly advice that's been proven through his own personal tests and see it come to a place where it can help me. Mr. Churchill said a long time ago that you can complicate a lot of matters in life and some are very complicated. He said, but no matter what you're dealing with, some deep, dark things in life we go through, hello? Yeah. Things you don't talk to anybody about except God. Mr. Churchill said, here's where it's going to all boil down to, Brother Herring. I don't care. I want the details, the limbs, the, the, the idiosyncrasies, the singular, but the things that you want to accentuate. He said, here's what everything, she said, everything boils down to. You're either going to do right or you're going to get a chip on your shoulder about it. You're either going to pray and love God or you're going to turn away from God. 
you can say, but you don't understand. It all boils down to one of two choices. You can either go God's direction or turn away from God and do your own thing. I advise you to go God's direction today. Here we go. Here we go. Man after God's own heart. man of great passion, a man whose civil rule was only superseded by his religious rule, David. This is where the advice just becomes rubber meeting the road, Psalm 37.4. He said, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. But people that tell me it's wrong to have personal ambitions, I remind them of this verse. Sure, they have to be controlled and kept in check. And I understand all that. Of course they do. They have to be good stewards of what we're given. But he said, trust in the Lord. And finally, he said, delight. That's a word we don't use a lot today, delight. What's that stuff you, you guys, the whole family makes where it's the chocolate stuff and all the cream cheese? My wife's mother used to make that, and she called it chocolate delight. Is that right? Or is she not paying attention as usual? <laughs> Battles are real, brother. Chocolate delight. We don't use that word in almost anything anymore. Delight? kind of like head scratch, you have, to, you have to wonder about the application, delight yourself. There's two translations that, at least in this particular scripture, I believe help us out. I'd like a split screen, thank you very much. That's God's words translation, delight yourself in the Lord, the writer said, be happy in the Lord. Can you imagine, and I'll leave that up there please for me for a moment, can you, can you imagine needing to be advised to be happy in the Lord? Sister Carlson, there's a lot of things in life I'm not happy about, and I'm being real. A lot of things that I'm neutral about, I don't get happy about, I don't laugh about, they're just life things. But there's one thing we should never allow to be taken from us, is that happiness element of serving the Lord. You can come to church and forget everything for a moment. You can open your Bible. You can open your Bible and, and almost pretend nothing else is wrong in life. It feels like that to me, Brother Marshall. It does. He says, just be happy in the Lord. Why would I need to be told just to be happy in the Lord? Because sometimes all that junk that weighs me down out there, I bring it here. I bring it there. I bring it in my home, Brother Carlos. I... I I know some do and some don't, but if you're the type of person that brings your work home with you, I don't know how doctors don't do that. I don't know how nurses don't do that. I don't know how pastors don't do that. But if you have a hard time at work and you bring it home and take it out on earth, you're abusing the authority of, of a husband's position. Or if she does it to you, she's abusing the 
privilege of her professional position. Some things are just hard. It's like turning a switch. How can I turn a switch, God, and forget it when I get home? Because you need to. It's not your kid's fault, Brother Walter, that you got in a, in a, you know, a scruff scrum today at work. It behooves us to learn how to get into that dimension like, no, I'm not taking this out on my daughter and son tonight. But I like this. The Good News Bible, Good News Bible tells me about how to be happy. He, he, he takes it a little further. He says, seek your happiness in the Lord. So it may not be as easy as a, flipping a switch, Brother Mike, but he said seek it means it's there. I just got to look for it. I got to look for it. Anybody, anybody want to be happier than you are in the Lord? We all bring stuff to church, brother. We all bring it. And it's hard to forget. But if there's one thing we should be able to do, and I advise you to do this, is when you come to church, somehow, somehow, try to enjoy and be happy in the Lord. Yes. It, it may not be an eternal issue whether you frown or smile three times a day, it may have nothing to do with where your soul will spend eternity. But it sure affects the day in and day out routine of life. Who you hang around with. It affects your own demeanor, your countenance, your attitude, your outlook. Just be happy in the Lord. I'll be happy when everything works out. You got it backwards. You got to walk by faith. Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. All right, verse 4 again in the King James, and then I, I promise you I'm done. And this is the point of his advice. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you... Now, either God meant that, He's messing with me. And God isn't messing with me. He meant it. He meant it. Did you hear me? He said, when you figure out how to be happy in me, marriage could stink. Hope it don't. But your marriage might be rotten. You might be so broke. You might have such a foul outlook on everything else, but when you come to church, God said, God said, if you'll just seek happiness, all those things, seek you first the kingdom, Matthew 6, 33, and all those things, oh, get your condemnation out of here. Don't tell me it's wrong for these people to want things in life. That's why they get out of bed and go to work every morning. So they can buy a four-wheeler, or they can buy a, a, a snowmobile, or they can buy a shotgun. Don't apologize to people for that. You work for that. And when you finally get to the place where you say, oh, oh, I, I do have a lot on my plate. I'm worried about things, but I'm in church. Yeah. And if I can be happy anywhere, 
I can be happy in church. That is literally the key or the link to your heart's desires being fulfilled. Oh, bless your name, Jesus, today. Bless your name, Jesus, today. Bless your name, Jesus, today. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for caring for my soul. Thank you, Lord, for caring for my soul. Thank you, Lord, for caring for my soul. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to every need we have today. That you would be the supply and the supplier. That you would be the need and the demand, God, today. You saw it yourself. Seek your happiness in the Lord. Seek your happiness in the Lord. Pretty good advice. Pretty good advice, David. 